guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talk About It, Sis. I am your host, Maya, and I'm here with my co-host, Elisa. What's up, y'all? And today we have a special guest, Elisa's friend, so go ahead and introduce. Yeah, so we have a very, very, very special guest. My girl, Jade Fox, is in the building. What's up, Jade? What's up? What up, what up, sisses in the audience? Uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. I feel like I feel like I've been seeing all of my friends from college and stuff go off and like do their own, you know, initiatives, their own podcast shows and all that. So I'm glad to like be ha- to have been following you and then be a part of it. This is dope. So how do you guys yeah. know each other? Count my age, chill. What was it? Two thousand and nine. <sighs> That's when freshman we graduated. Freshman year in college. No, I oh, mean, no, no, no I was the first freshman year. year. You're right. Mm. Yeah. So right. it's been, what, 12, 12, 13 years? Yeah. That don't even we make babies. sense. It's crazy when I think about it. Yeah. That's <laughs> wild. Because, like, college <laughs> you, college me, I don't, I don't know that bitch. I don't, I don't do know. Do y'all cuss on here? Yes. It's whatever okay. you like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know that bitch either. Yeah. <laughs> She's weird. Who is she? I don't know her. <laughs> I think that's what inspired this episode, or or the thought of bringing Jade on in general. Mm-hmm. When I came on as co-host, I was like, you know, Maya, you were like, think about some folks that you would like like to have on, and like what you would like to talk about. And I was like, Jade would be perfect for an episode. Um, about confidence, about evolution, about, you know, that journey. Because I just feel like, like you said, you and I, 12 years ago, like we've just seen each other grow so much. Yeah. And and we've seen so many intimate parts of our lives together, which is so crazy. And to have each other through those years, it's just like, whoa, I'm Mm -hmm. excited for us and like what more we have in store. But like, I was like, she would be perfect for this. Yeah, let's do it. It's it's great, and I I appreciate the fact that you thought of me because when I think of like college Jade, maybe confidence is in there, but like that was definitely not something that I think I was actively like feeling during those years. But you carved out your own like space for yourself, and I don't think you realized it until like a few years later. You know what I mean? Like you started your YouTube journey before it was a thing, and like. It blows me away every time I think about like how far that has come. Sidebar for people that don't know who you are and what you do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my name is Jade Fox. You can find me on everything. I am Jade Fox. I uh, started making YouTube videos years ago and um, actually started in my dorm making YouTube videos at VCU. Um, not really thinking anything of it. I was just weird and had a lot of time on my hands and I knew how to, you know, make do a little something something on um iMovie make something shake on iMovie and then from there I have been able to cultivate an audience I um stop talk a lot about like queer culture but not through a lens of whiteness which is what a lot of queer talk and conversation is really um like that is the lens that tends to be prioritized and so I said fuck that I'm going to talk about the stuff that we talk about. I'm going to talk about, because in our communities, they feel big. It, it, it's my entire life. But then when you go on YouTube or when you go try and find a movie, television, whatever, it's like, that is the smallest part of the story, if it's part of the story at all. Um, 
And then from there, I got into really like speaking on pop culture. And then it's just been great. I've been able to uh, interview like uh, celebrities and move to LA and make some stuff shake out here, speaking at colleges and really just trying to uh, push the narrative that there's nothing niche about any experience. And the things that you feel that are weird about you, that are cringe, that are embarrassing, those are the things that you really need to lean into. Because I feel like when you were talking about that pivot, at least, like, I think that's when that happened. So yeah, I've just, that's how I've been able to build an audience and kind of the message that I push, you know, through whatever it is that I'm doing. Snaps to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get into it by way of asking Jade a quick question. Um, about how or what confidence looks like for you. Like, I know you said in the beginning when you started your whole journey, um, becoming a creator, being creative, you know, you were like, ah, there was confidence there, but I don't know. Um, It -hmm. takes a certain level of confidence to like bet on yourself and like start recording. And so I would love for you to kind of like give us 12, 12 years ago, Jade, like what was she thinking about at that time to like, you know, set, hit hit record because that's that's a lot of people just don't have that level of like, ooh, they sit there and they have stuff in their drafts or they sit there and they say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And they put it off years and years down the line. And, you know, sometimes nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It was very much just wanting to see what happened. Like, what would mm-hmm. happen if I did this? Like, what? Like, how far could this really go? And I feel like that is something I still do, still do to this day. Even like as small as, you know, an outfit, trying to pick out an outfit for dinner. It's like, I don't know if those pants going to go with that shirt, but let me just see. Let me just put it on. Let me just see. Um, And so I think back then, the things that I wanted to talk about, the skits that I was doing, it was all coming from a place of, I just wanted to see it. So it was less of like, I want to put my voice out there and I want to, you know, start these conversations. I don't think it was that serious. I think it was more so just me really being creative and being impatient and just needing to put stuff out so that I could prove it to myself that the ideas that I had could be real. And then I found like a comfort in this. Like I found it very comfortable to talk to the camera. I found it very comfortable to talk in front of an audience. I just found, I found comfort in just being myself in front of in different spaces and i think that's when i when i was saying i didn't recognize it as confidence i don't think that that's what i was thinking about i think i just i didn't like the idea of you know compartmentalizing like my personality you know i'm I'm this person in front of my friends then i'm this person in front of my family then i'm this person at work i didn't like that it's like i have comfort in my friends my family and and these spaces and so i just want to be that and then of course, you know, I'm a Leo. I love validation. I love attention. <laughs> and um, I got a lot of it. And so it's like, what else do you need to, to keep going at that point? Uh, and so I think, you know, as I got older, I think that the message started to be introduced. I think the intention like started to be introduced because I don't have this like crazy, like violin, you know, type of story about why I started. I really wanted to make an impact. I was bored. And that's why I started. 
And I think over time, I found my voice. Wow. I wanted to say something about the point that he made, like you didn't want to be all these different people in different spaces. I can totally relate to that. And I don't know if you have this experience, but like who I am at my job is nowhere near who I am at home or like with my friends. Um, and like, sometimes it can feel like those people are two different people because I feel like I have to morph in to be a specific way in white corporate America, which is incredibly hard. Um, and so I feel like I have corporate Maya, which is like vastly different from how I'm out in these streets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, as I've gotten older and as I've like, you know, improved my confidence and really tried to like step into all that I am, I have also noticed like, yeah, I need to figure out how to merge these personalities. It should not be that I feel like I have to like change myself because I'm the only black person in the room. You know, that's so crazy though, right? Because I think about like my own evolution, so to speak, of like creating space for myself, like thinking that I'm worthy worthy of whatever thing I have in, in my own possession, knowing that the invitation to the table is what it is. You're meant to be there. And like when I was working in white nonprofits, I felt really small because I was the only one and I didn't feel validated and I didn't feel embraced. And I was showing up as myself, maybe like 80% of me was showing up there. And it took being in a fully black, fully women led organization to like transform, so to speak. So I think like, I don't know if you all agree with this, is that do you feel like depending on the space, is it more or is it less or does it stay the same? You know, has it ha- have those spaces where you could feel most vulnerable or seen or show up help push you like or catapult you further into like betting yourself even more? So I have a job right now, which is new um, and it's predominantly white company and I remember on the like one of the first like few weeks I was working there was this like big company meeting and it's like this giant you know zoom and you know the chat's going it's like hundreds of people in there and they were going over like the new hires and it was like these three white dudes and one of the dudes his he was like serving in his photo like it was like you know the other two was just like you know regular kind of like professional photo but then him he was like giving a little face in his photo and so in the chat I was like let's call him Bobby I was like oh Bobby is serving and Bobby didn't respond to all of that and so I found that in my current job those things that are just like normal to me such as like using slang leaning into my blackness. No, I don't listen to Taylor Swift and not not shying away from that. I feel like it almost creates the boundaries around me. Like I feel like because I show up in the way that I do and I try not to assimilate, I feel like it it really solidifies who I am to people. And I think mm-hmm. I would normally shy away from that, but I don't know. I just think when you belittle yourself or when you make yourself smaller at work, you're just limiting your creative you know opportunity that you have and people hire you i mean diversity hire or not like people are hiring you for your unique perspective and so i found that it was almost like a disservice to me to just act like everybody else i agree with that i need to get there apparently i just realized that (laughs) because i feel like i'm like 40 percent of myself at work and like oh, working wow. from home is like the best thing that ever happened to me. Like me not having to interact with everyone. With, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Mm. Like, um, and 
I, you know, I go into the office every now and then just to like show my face. Um, and I've tried to get better at it, but like, you know, I think my struggle, and I was just talking to my cousin about this the other day, is that like, I come from a very wild, I was a wild teenager, a wild young adult. I was out here in these streets doing craziness, for lack of a better word. And so it's very hard to merge that experience with the experience of the people that I'm interacting with. I just feel like I cannot relate. Like we, we don't relate on, obviously, you know, you can find common interests with anyone, right? Like, well, not everyone, but (laughs) a lot of people. And I feel like I just don't have common interests with a lot of these people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why, but we're going to work on it. Okay. Yeah, we gonna get we gonna get that percentage up just a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like I'll be happy at seventy (laughs) five. Because it's just not. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I get. I feel like people might think I'm a little unprofessional sometimes, just how I speak at work. But at the same time, it's like I feel like you want to be at least comfortable at your job, Mm -hmm. and I think that. Like as much as we can say, oh, it's it's the the culture and it's the this and it's the that. It's like we could be a little bit of you too. Yeah, you know, we could loosen up a little bit. Yeah, so. it's definitely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I've been at my job almost five years now, and mm-hmm. I've been the organization did a rebrand when I first was hired, so I was like the first first new hire, and so I kind of was like. I was there as people were coming in. And so I was a person who existed where I was. And so everyone was new to me. Um, and so I think I the first couple of years, I was more focused on the work and like doing well because it was a new field. I was kind of filling big shoes um, more than I even realized like a year and a half in. And so... I felt self-conscious to be my fullest self, but I knew I could be more myself than I was before in the majority white um, space. And so what I what I love so much about the journey and my experience as of late is that like I can a hundred percent show up as myself, like a hundred percent and be and talk to like my boss and be like, hey girl, so um you remember when we said we was gonna meet later? So and just that kind of like that's our conversation how it goes or I'll hop in and and have no problem if someone puts me on a spot in a in a staff meeting and be like Elisa weren't you supposed to and I'll be like "Mm, so I'm gonna have to do that next week yeah it's been a tough one I also think time at a place makes a huge difference too yeah, like, I started this job in the pandemic and I've met my coworkers in person maybe twice and that's not even all of them. So I think that probably plays like when I was at CBS, I, w- I was there for five and a half years. And like maybe in the past two years, I was finally like, OK, I'm just going to do whatever I want because clearly I'm good. <laughs> like, but maybe I haven't reached that point here yet. So time, I think, makes it. But do you think your role uh, plays into that too, though? Because you have a pretty senior role. And so do you feel like that kind of contributes to it too? I don't know that I have a senior role. They feel pretty senior to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think maybe this is my the most seniority I've had. I just want to know what is the worst that would happen if y'all showed up 100% like in a work environment that you feel like you wouldn't normally. So I know, Elisa, like for you... 
you feel comfortable in, in your current spot. But like, if you were to show up 100% in the last one, like, what is the thing that you feel like would happen? Oh, I got this experience mm-hmm. a lot. That's um, a great question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would get the, I would get the, I would get questions that I'm just like, if they was black, they wouldn't ask me that. Mm-hmm. So like, I would get the, I would get the have to explain something. I would get the, the hey, whiteness? huh? So the no. burden of whiteness? It's like appearance. It's like my food. It's like things that are associate how I associate with uh, black culture. And so, like, I was I was not the only black woman there, but I was the youngest, and I was there the shortest period of time at the time. My boss was the only black executive at the organization, um, and we weren't the, we weren't similar. And so, I just I just feel like I'm light skinned but I was given more black. <laughs> funny funny story i thought i was brown like for many years of my life growing up yeah i thought i was brown mm-hmm. and um i just stayed out in the sun a lot mm-hmm. and um and i came to high school and people was like no girl you light skin and i'm like no i'm not and they're like no you are and then and then i realized and darn it face. darn it but but <laughs> not darn it <laughs> No, I mean, not darn it, because, like, my mom my mom was, like, deep, like, Godiva chocolate, and my dad was these walls, and so, not white, but I thought he was growing up, funny story. It's interesting to see how, because, like, I'm, you know, I'm a shade darker than y'all, maybe a couple more, I don't know, but it's interesting, because you would think that those, like, rains, you'd feel them a little less. Like, I'm just assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would assume that if I was fairer skinned, um, that that pressure wouldn't be there as much. But I also mm-hmm. think that that might have to do with the fact that, I mean, I'm assuming here, but at least I feel like you are very much embedded in Black culture. And so maybe mm-hmm. that, diff- that, um, that separation probably just wasn't there, like, in your mind at the time. Yeah, it it wasn't. It wasn't. And I've and I've never had those experiences in particular, like of being like pointed out as that light skin, da da da. Except in high school. Like in college, I feel like it was college was a melting pot, you know? There were so many different shades of us. And I think that's why I went to VCU, you know, because I wanted to get a mix of like what the world looked like and it was a it was pretty it was a melting pot. I mean, we had our little, you know, we had our own black community within to a point where I say I go to VCU and they'd be like, wait, is that a black school? No, it's not. But we do have, we did have very strong community. So you could spend a couple of days and be on campus wherever you go and just only see black people or mostly black people, which is cool. But um, I, I didn't, I didn't have that sort of pressure to have to be this version of myself because, you know, the shade color whatever, that I am. Got you. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm black. <laughs> yeah, the, honestly, the only time I ever really feel light skin is dating, which is a totally different. Uh, mm. That's the only time I'm aware of my of the that fact that I'm light insight. skin. Yeah. What about it? Yeah. Um, well, it's it, it's oh god, it's exhausting. Um, the only time, like the first question I get on dating apps twenty four seven is, "What am I mixed with?" Um, like literally before people ask me my name. Which to me, you're clearly only dating me because I fit the type 
that you're looking for and not because of anything else. And so I'm constantly like, for example, I ha- I have, you know, several light skinned friends that live in Brooklyn and all the men, all the same men have tried to talk to us. Like it's, it's a joke that we have like, oh, you know, oh boy. Yeah. He tried to talk to me six months ago. <laughs> you know, so like all, all the same men, which is very obvious to me that that's why you're dating me. So I'm constantly thinking in the back of my mind, like, does this person really like me or do they like me because I look this way? Oh, I've never gotten that. Really? Oh, I've never thought about that. Girl, <laughs> they don't be asking you what you mix with in the first three questions? Uh, no, <laughs> not as of late. I think in person people ask me, Mm-mm. like straight out the gate, yo, da 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 da. And I'll just be like, black, mix with some black. That may help you. That's colorist as fuck. Yeah, I don't Because it's like, the reason they're only asking you is because it's like you will clearly. There's no way. There's no way you're hundred percent from the African diaspora. Like, yeah. Like it's it's, it's almost totally. it's like they're they're trying to suss up your uh, lineage wise, like your proximity to whiteness, to see if you are qualified. It's so true um, as a dating partner. That's why. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. So I don't respond, and I want to say like that's about sixty percent of the conversation. Whoa. Do you mainly date black men? Well, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying Great to. <laughs> <laughs> that was the plan, but <laughs> it's on the vision board. <laughs> yeah. But as I get older, um, I'm trying to expand my horizons. I don't know Yo, how we I'm going to do it. <laughs> we had this running joke, Maya and I. Well, it's not a joke. I just, I have this vision for her life. I see her living abroad with like, it's giving like Italian. It's 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 giving like I'm living my best life with my husband overseas. He may own something here, but we're over there. And maybe it's Saint Tropez. I don't know. I don't know. It's giving Europe, but not but not because you can't find someone here. I just feel like you as your full self, Maya. Sometimes I just feel like I don't know. I feel like a black. I don't know what a black man would like really fully. Not to say that I don't know if a black man would would fully appreciate you, but but kind of that's how I feel like I feel like I have you like right here mm-hmm. in terms of the fullness of who you are. And I want I want to I'm I'm trying to think of if a if a black man would have the capacity to fully show up for you. Yeah. In the way I, that you need. I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but my about to hit me up in the comments real mad. I understand what you're saying. Um I haven't had great experiences with black men. I think I'm very dominant and they often in my experience do not like that. Um and I also feel like it's always a competition and I find that very odd. I don't want to be in competition with my romantic partners. I want to be God, I feel like <laughs> I've questioned it. Would be me. Yeah. Would not. Because mainly because yeah. men don't know how to take a joke. They do not like when you make jokes. They begin sensitive and stuff. A lot of men don't think women are funny. Like they don't think that. Uh, I've had men say like women don't have the capacity to be funny and be serious. Yeah. That's rich. I mean, 
so interesting because over the past like weekend or so, I've had really interesting, thoughtful conversations with black men, but they were older, right? So like one was like my age, but the other, I'm 31, the other was like maybe early 40. And like we've, but I think it takes a certain person to arrive as to like, when you're looking for a partner or where you're interested in like connecting with people, there's a certain intention required. And I feel like there's a certain level of knowing of self that's required that like you can, you have the capacity to stretch yourself, stretch yourself and stretch your thinking when connecting with new people. Right. So like, you know who you are, but you don't write people off for having different views than you. Or you don't completely write people off for being more outspoken than you are or, you know, extreme. Like you can just properly, respectfully make a choice. Like, am I going to continue to pursue this person or am I going to, you know, bow out, so to speak? Okay. But not everybody is there. Golly. I just find dating to be like a game. It's like I'm in a relationship now. We've been together for four years. But I found dating to be really fun, but mainly because I just wasn't super invested in it. It's like, and I was down to play the numbers game. It's like, I'm going to go on this date with you and I don't expect you or this date to be shit. So I'm just going to go into it with a light heart and open mind and at least just a good meal. And then I'm going to go home at the end of the night. That's the, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen to me when it comes to dating. So hearing... I mean, and dating women is not really that big of a difference. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's it's insightful hearing uh, being outside looking in, dating yeah. black women. We're in, we literally are in the gutter. Um, but like, I agree with the, with the like, I don't think I take dating that seriously. Like I can go on dates and, you know, go and have the vision that I'm just going to have fun with this person but a lot of the men that I encounter it ends up being a sucky experience just because of the things that they say on the dates or like they're sexist or they're colorist or they say things that like are you kidding me right now like it's interesting how like men can show up 100% like they Mm -hmm. feel the confidence to show up 100% and just yeah say whatever their beliefs are and not really think twice about what you have to say about them or or um like saying them with with consideration of sensibilities you know I do think that that is interesting because that's a confidence thing I mean it's coming from a loud wrong place Mm -hmm. but you know the confidence that men have on these dates saying the things Mm -hmm. that they say to y'all is wild to me it's interesting you bring that up, Jade, because I was talking to a girlfriend, you might know her, um, of mine, <laughs> and she, we, you know, you know, you check in with your people, right? Yeah. I check in with my girl, my, my girlfriends, like, my, my, my ones, like, at least once a week, and so we'll be like, girl, how was your week? She'd be like, one girlfriend was like, this dude had the audacity he had such a way about him and he had the audacity to say not in a good way not a bad way about him where he loves muslim women because of their submissiveness and how they you know they cover up to honor you know their god but they know that they'll be the most obedient at home like i just met you 
and we're talking about this over a drink? It's also like, it's also wrong because it's not to, it's not for you. The customs that are put, I mean, I'm no expert, but I'm sure it's like the culture and customs that surround it are not just there to um, placate to a man's ego. Like, I don't think that that's why it's there. And yet he interpreted that's that's wild. It's disgusting. I, just, I don't understand in general. Uh, we're going off topic to dating now, but I just don't understand the uh, men's obsession with submission. It's weird. Why do you want us to submit to you so bad? Ego. Like, and I think it might be stemmed from childhood too. It's troubling. I don't think they want to work. More. And when I say work, I mean, not in like a Kim Kardashian, get off your fucking ass and work. <laughs> I don't mean like that. I mean, like, consider a person's feelings. Oh, yeah. Uh, wash a dish. Uh, be nice to my sister. Like, things like that. I feel like they just don't want to do stuff like that. And so it's like, they can opt out of all responsibility if you are submissive to them. Because then you have to do everything. It's just so lazy of them to think like that in my opinion I think a part of it is tied to how they grew up what they saw who they had around them you know what they're watching what they're listening to that gives them the sense of power to walk around and feel like they have the authority to have that sort of perspective or that they deserve it um, without doing their own like work like I heard this podcast the other day where it's like women when it came to submissiveness, it's like women will show up for you in relationship if she feels safe, Mm -hmm. if she feels like she's being heard, if she feels like all of these things that validate her like showing up. And so like, it has nothing to do with the way that they are looking at it. But then there's Mm -hmm. a whole sex, a group of women who are comfortable doing this. Right, like are like, yeah, I love to be submissive to my man, you know, like. And they're pygmies. <laughs> yeah, they're pygmies on TikTok. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's a large amount of people, and so I'm like, you're ruining it for the rest of us, okay? Because I'm not doing that to us. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> it did, but it's real out here. That drained me a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> they drained me. <laughs> So I wanted to kind of talk about the part about like childhood and like, I know you have, you're not an only child. No, you have a sibling. Mm -mm. I have a brother. What? Right. Okay. And so I wanted to know how your upbringing and your like family dynamic, like influence what confidence looked like or where you felt like you can make space for yourself, where you felt like, because I feel like Maya and I were talking about this earlier where she was like, I grew up and I had no problem being me. Or, but but what came out of that was like yeah. I am this about myself and that's just who you know mm-hmm. and so I want to get your your perspective on kind of like what 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 your family life was and how that contributed to like molding you into this person or if it was like not as great and you had to like course correct it was um I'll say this both my parents are very country uh black people who grew up extremely poor who have been able to build themselves up today 
And I will say, I feel like their parenting definitely came out of a place of survival. It's like I grew up and I wasn't necessarily wild. I was just like odd. And like I have weird hobbies and interests and like um, I like to perform and, you know, just shit like that. And so I think they they parented me in a way where they really wanted to shield me because I think that in their minds, if I went into a space and was fully myself and I was outgoing or I was saying whatever was on my mind, that it would end up in harm or it would end up in something bad happening to me. Um, Mm. And so my parents didn't really teach me or instill a confidence in me at a young age, but that, said I remember being super young and just really in like liking who I was I've always really liked who I was and I remember like I would get in fights with my parents and I would be like I don't know why they don't get me or like I don't know why like I don't know why they don't like me like I'm pretty great and so I remember like fighting it's like on one hand it's like ew cringe but on the other hand it's like I'm really grateful for that because even now it's like when I feel down I remember that I am someone that I like I like my work I like how I think and all of these things and and so through but like the family dynamic it just wasn't super encouraging and that's unfortunate that it took me making money from it, being this authentic self for them to respect it. That's the part that's shitty. Even when I was like, cause I've always been creative. Like I remember making like beats on GarageBand and stuff like outside of YouTube or whatever. And um, just like wanting to like play it for people. It was bad. Like I knew it was bad. Like I knew it wasn't good. I think I was just so proud that I did something though that I wanted to show people. And, you know, they would say things like, Jay, don't, don't show people this. Don't let people listen to this. But, and now that I'm older, I know where it comes from. It's not coming from, from this place of like, we just don't fuck with you, Jade. <laughs> like, it's not coming from that. It's coming from like, we don't want people to fuck with you. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when I got older, I learned where it came from. And then it made me have more empathy for them. Because I feel like I have a freedom that they don't, I feel like I've accessed a freedom that they don't think was ever possible for them to access. Um, And I think that they will kind of always have that, that boomer kind of mentality of your hair is this way, you dress this way, you speak to white people like this, this is how you conduct yourself at all times. But that's from survival. Like they would literally get killed. I mean, you still can, which is unfortunate, but like, they would get killed if they acted out of character mm. or something would happen if they acted out of character. And so, yeah, I think once I started making money from it and they started respecting me a little bit more from it, that's when more conversations around like them really knowing who I am truly, like really, and not that, that small compartmentalized version of myself. I think that's when those conversations started happening. And, um, that's when the dynamic started to change. And the thing about family dynamics, once they change, it feels so weird. Even if it's like for the better, it's just mm. odd. It's so weird. Cause yeah. like now it's like, y'all know who I am for real. That was deep. I really Thank was. Sharing that. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a 
Interesting. I think our parents might be around the same age. Because you said boomer. I'm like, my dad just turned 70. My parents are like 60 and 61, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Gang, gang. Yeah. <laughs> like, how old are my parents? 63 and 56. Um, but, Elisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your... How your childhood impacted your confidence. Oh, y'all got time? All right. So, <laughs> as most of the listeners know, a twin. And that dynamic growing up was really, really, it was kind of trash. Um, my family treated us very extreme. So, like, I was looked at as the angel, you know, type A kid, always getting good grades in school. And they looked at uh, my sister is like, she's always being disruptive and she's not trying hard enough in school and always like, she's like the opposite. Anything less than what I was doing was considered bad. And so it created this dynamic for me growing up that I need to be perfect. I need to not do anything wrong. I need to over explain what I'm doing just so that you know that I'm going to stay on the right track. And like all of those things are the complete opposite of what embodying or coming into your own confidence, in my opinion, is. And so it was really hard for me to discover who I was as a single human being because I was compared to for so many years. Um, so it didn't really happen until I think the end of high school, the beginning of college. Yeah, where I was forced by way of um, location to like be separated from my sister. We went to different high schools for the past, the last two years. And then we went to different colleges in two different directions. I was in Virginia, she was in Philly. And so that gave me like a crash course in figuring out who I am, making the right decisions, making the wrong decisions, um, not being perfect, you know, all of those things that you kind of would normally learn in like earlier adolescence. I got that crash course in college. Thankfully I had people around me that like, really loved me and was like, hey girl, what's this? What's this version of you? I don't like this. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so it was it was it was definitely a lived and learned um and and now that I think about it a loved experience for me because I just think God like covered my relationships during that time. Like I think Jay, I credit like you and like Aunt and like Corinne and like the whole like Lex and complex and all of those friend groups of like embracing me for who I am, whether it was, you know, me being a little big headed sometimes out of no, like, why are you being that way? To just stumbling into who I am now. Um, I consider myself in my early 20s. I was like, oh, I like that girl. Um, and that was just me struggling to grapple with figuring out who I was as a person. Um, and just finding my way through my mistakes and, and being like, mm, I don't like when I do this. Or, mm, you know what? I don't want to hang out with those people because they don't make decisions that I want to make in my life. Um, and so I think it took the last few years for me to really, I think the move to New York really impacted it, like to fully come into who who I am and to like be proud of how I show up. Um, no matter if it was right, wrong, imperfect, whatever, because at the core, I began to really like love that I love making people laugh, um, love that I'm kind of quirky and weird, um, not 
be afraid of showing up in these spaces to be that way. Um, and knowing at the core, like, girl, you dope. Like, you really cool. Like, huh? That's you? I got two questions for both of y'all. Okay. First question is, do you feel like you were able to kind of come into your confidence better within a community of people who are like-minded and who look like you? Or if you are better to like come into your confidence when you have time alone and you can be introspective and not clouded by opinion? Uh, I know for me, it's definitely time alone. Um, Like I'm very like introspective I'm always thinking I don't know like I don't know if people have different life goals or like what they think the reason and meaning of life is but like my thing that I stand on is like I feel like we're on this earth to constantly be growing um and so I'm always thinking about okay what are the ways that I can like better myself what could I have done better in that situation like so that's how I just generally think and I find that it's easy easiest to for me to do that when I'm alone. Like, of course, it's helpful to have friends like telling you how they receive you. But in general, I think I'm introspective enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing that. And that happens alone for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Maya in the alone part. But I think what I would add is like God time for me. And so like God in my life, but he'd be humbling. But he's really graceful. And so when I come to a point where I have had have had or have done something that maybe I wasn't proud of or acted slightly out of character where I was like, hmm, where was this? Where, how did I how did I arrive to this place to make this decision? If it's already happened, forgiving myself first and like then like being silent, being still the forgiving myself part has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, though. Because coming from a perfectionist background of like, pick me, pick me, I'm the most shiniest thing, I'm approved you, I'm the most shiniest thing, like doing that people pleasing, like was really, really hard to get to a place where like I could honor myself and like give myself grace and like, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that was, that's what's been going on. That's how I've been dealing with it. What about you? Mm-hmm. Jade? Definitely alone. I don't trust cool. people's opinions half the time. Mm. Mm. Why? and it's just like I'm grateful to have people around me who will speak good and light into me and remind me of who I am but I feel like my own opinion of myself will always be the most accurate and um snaps <laughs> the most trusted voice is my own and so it's mm. like it's almost like you need to almost be alone first solidify where that confidence comes from and then when you're in spaces with others and you're hearing whether it's good or bad around you you're able to you know at least as you were like mentioning earlier like you can respect how people feel but you know you have a better idea of like how to make that that voice make sense in your life in the way Mm -hmm. that you think of yourself because not I don't know, just sometimes like being surrounded by people who only speak light into you. It's like, I need, I need someone who's going to like, you know, tell me what the truth, especially because I'm online. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that girl when I say this, but like people will just compliment you all day long just because they're fans of what you do. But sometimes it's like when I make something, I want genuine constructive criticism on it. It's like, I appreciate your your commitment 
to the things that I make. But at the end of the day, it's like there always needs to be that like honest voice, not there to tear you down, obviously, but just there mm-hmm. to to remind you of things that you may not be thinking about and maybe keep you consistent in uh, in your thinking when it comes to how you think about yourself. Oh, yeah. What was your other question? Sorry. <laughs> so my question was, um, Maya, are you from New York? No, I was, well, when people ask me where I'm from, that's a whole nother thing. I was born in Maryland, though. Okay, okay. (laughs) I was going to ask, like, how much do you think your environment, as in, like, the state that you live in, like, how has that impacted your confidence? Because when I was living in Virginia, I will say I would, I don't think I would have been able to keep the confidence that I have now if I stayed. Hmm. Well, I never really thought about that. I guess people are like, well, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. So maybe it adds to my confidence. I've been here for six years, almost seven. And I I also work in media and I'm a journalist and I feel like I've made it in a major market. So there's like no reason for me to leave and go anywhere else. So I feel like staying in New York kind of solidifies that like, yeah, I made it here. Like, so I think it helps me <laughs> not to sound like pompous, but just being real. Nah, I, I would say I credit New York for building mm-hmm. me up a thousand percent because I bet on myself to get there, right? Created space for myself, did work at a really great level. And it was a character builder. It was a confidence boost. I feel like I was given main character energy when I was in New York, like in the mm-hmm. best way. Like mm-hmm. I felt the most vibrant. Mm-hmm. I I also think though, like if you're dating in New York, that can be a blow to your confidence. Yeah. Um, and I, maybe this is actually not just New York. It's probably every major city, <laughs> um, but also really New York too, because I feel like because there's so many beautiful women here, um, you're treated as disposable. And if there's like one thing that somebody doesn't like about you, you know, it's next. And maybe that's just like also just the dating app culture too. Um, But, and also like in Brooklyn, if you're black and young, pretty much everyone knows each other. So it's like, oh God, like how many people have you dated that I already know like where where who who am I gonna date here (laughs) that's how that world is small so I think if you're not like checking yourself like I'll take breaks from the apps and be like you know what I'm not gonna do this right now um, because this is not serving me so yeah I think if you don't keep that in check that can be a thing too DC isn't really giving me a whole lot of main character energy um, but I, I do move pretty well. I, I move well in rooms though. I mean, that's, that's a vibe. Um, I don't know if I have the networking bug, but I have a pretty good way of like connecting people or connecting with people and creating spaces where I can be a resource. And, um, but that requires a certain level of confidence too, right? Where like people trust you with how you handle people and not like manually. I mean, like how they, how you can care for how you care for people around you. And mm-hmm. I feel like that that's felt in a one-on-one or in a group setting. I think I do a pretty good job of that. And so once I'm outside, that happens. But being here, adjusted, being home, you got to get outside because that's so important. Whew. What about LA? I feel like it would be very hard to 
I mean, everybody chasing their dreams out there. How do you feel about confidence in LA specifically? Or being back because you were there. And so yeah, first time around was one thing and second time around might be different. I think the main difference is last time I just wasn't like I was here on a mission. Like I'm here to try to carve out whatever kind of career I'm trying to have right now. Um, I'm going to say yes to everything. I'm just going to be here. I'm 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 going to work my ass off. And I did that. And um, all while in an extremely uh, abusive relationship. But when I got out of that, that's when the confidence started to come through because I was finally like not just working to survive. I was working in or from a passion um, space and it felt not draining to work. It felt comforting to work. It felt good Mm. to work. It felt good to... um, you know, go on set and have confidence that I can do my job. Like basically all the things that I had moved to LA to do, I had, I had gained a confidence in. And therefore around the, the tail end of the last time I was here, like I was good, I was golden. This time, I mean, LA is a very, like if you care about not having the nicest car, if you care about not having, you know, whatever was in Diesel's most like recent drop, then you're going to be fine. But there's a lot of people here who care about that stuff. And it's, and because there's so many of those people, it'll make you think that you should care about those things because you're like, Oh, well, everybody else is like on this bandwagon. So maybe they know something that I don't, but no, it's just like LA is just one of, it's similar to, I can imagine it's like New York in that you can look at the city and, and be influenced by the bad parts about it yeah. um, or the ugly parts about it and make that your whole perspective on the city. Mm. But I think if you come here with a certain amount of intention, which I did um, then and I am now, then yeah, then you're going to be fine. Okay. Um, yeah. So my question is where do you feel like your confidence stands now? And like, are there any areas of your life where you wish you could, like is there an area where you wish your confidence could be improved I can go first. okay yeah real quick um I think I think I'm pleased with my own self personal confidence like into who I am into what I stand for into like you know what I love about myself I think when it comes to work like from a professional standpoint um I've been siloed for so long doing all the stuff all myself where if you do that at such a high level for so long without kind of like outward I I wouldn't say validation but like perspective or like I don't know I've just carried a lot and so over time you reach a point where for me I was like what the heck am I doing Like, is this right? Like, Mm -hmm. I know everyone's making this up, but like, I feel like I, I feel that way on 10. And it wasn't until recently where I think I was holding my own self hostage from like opportunities or feeling like I was worthy to like make a pivot in my career. 
um, which I will be doing really soon. And like, I think that, yeah, yeah. And so I think, (laughs) so I think like when I woke up, I was in a board meeting and I had a board member come to me and be like, Elisa, like, I've seen you grow so much, like your presentation, like, oh my goodness, like you're doing amazing work. And so like, I would do such big things and I would think nothing of it. And then it's like, I don't, do you realize what you're doing? No. And so that's the part, um, navigating that space now. And I know that once I turn this thing all the way up, don't say nothing to me. <laughs> cause, it's, cause it's giving like, I'm supposed to be here and mm-hmm. I'm here to solve problems and I have the answers. And if I don't have the answers, I have no problem telling you I do not have the answers. Mm. I feel that. Yeah. Period Her. poop. Period. Yeah, period. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> You're having such a good time. I um, so... I'm most confident in, I think I'm most confident in my work because I trust, I trust that I can be successful with my own thoughts. Like I think before I would second guess myself a lot. Um, But the thing that I recently like learned about success is when you reach like the big goal, whatever that is. That means that you've already been successful, similar to what you were talking about, Lisa. It's like, if my goal is to be a, an actor, a, fa- a super, I don't know, prolific actor, then, and I book one thing, then I'm still successful. And that's just one mark of success that is going to contribute to the greater success. And I think that line of thinking has helped me gain confidence in my work in that way. Um, and I, and the area that I would like more confidence in is, is with family, more specifically kids. I am oh. not good with children. Like, I don't know how to talk to children. I don't know like what is appropriate. Like I'll speak like, Oh, hey, you're so big. And he's like 10. And I'm just like, I don't know like how to handle kids. And yeah. it's very like. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an insecurity that is weird and unnecessary, but as someone who eventually would probably have a kid, it's like, I want to be able to rely on myself that I know how to just be around children and how to mold a young little mind, especially now that I'm an aunt now too. I just don't want to be no like ancient mom or like, you know, an, an ancient auntie. Like I want to be able to connect with children, especially ones that are like, close to me and my family in a way that actually means something. And so, yeah, being the youngest, never on kids ever. And so now I'm just like, I don't know what to do with these little like people. Mm. I love that though, Jade. I'm excited for where that's going to go. I'm sure you're going to be great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Comes with time. <laughs> we shall see. Um, Maya? Oh, Did you answer, answer the question? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> um, I'm feeling pretty confident in life right now in general, which is good. Um, I definitely love myself, but that was a journey, so it's a beautiful thing. Um, 
I've talked about this in the past, about my long journey to through therapy and trauma therapy and learning how to not live in survival mode and love myself from top to bottom, wherever I find myself. You feel me? So I'm feeling really good about myself at this stage in my life. That's also, I think, just being in my early 30s. Uh, you just, you're like, yo, this is it. This is who I am. So mm-hmm. love it. Um, but now that we had this conversation, I'm like, dang, I got to change that 40% at work <laughs> to, okay. to an 80%. So that's my new goal. Thank you for the revelation, Jade. That <laughs> some Something's going on there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just want to be able to like be in a room and feel like I'm supposed to be there. Um, and I wish, and I feel like it doesn't need to take as long. Like when I was working at CVS, I had to like be the best, you know, like one of the best reporters and producers to feel like I deserved to be there when there's Mm. like people there doing the bare minimum who think they're absolutely wonderful. Um, so how can I get to that place a lot sooner and just realize, well, like, obviously if I've come this far and I've done this much and I'm in these doors and it's, and like all my jobs I've gotten through like cold applying on LinkedIn, like I'm supposed to be here. Check back back in six months. I'll let you know my progress. (laughs) I'm holding you accountable because I mean, you and I are in in the same boat in terms of like just really showing up for ourselves in those spaces and like owning it. Yeah. It's hard. I to be a black woman you, in those spaces is hard too. Yeah. True. I was gonna say I find that if you like what you're doing, then that's like the metric to like live mm. live by and work. So it's like whatever mm. the thing is, whatever the work is, I don't know like the style of work is project based or whatever, mm-hmm. but like as long as you like it, like it feels good to you, then I feel like that's like the the entry point. Yeah, so like that also makes a lot. In your work. Yeah, that also makes a lot of sense because I used to produce like short documentaries, and now I'm doing something totally different, which has nothing to do with that. So I'm like editing other people's stories and like running the site on the weekends, and like while I like know how to do that, I'm doing a lot of things that I have no like. Well, when I first got there, I had no clue how to do. So I think that has to do something with confidence too. Like it was a huge learning curve. Oh, Maya, you make a really good point. Um, this this space that you're in is new for new for you. And like the space I've been in, I've grown to get to this place. Mm-hmm. I was hired to do the work I'm doing right now five years ago. Was I doing the work that I'm doing right now five years ago? No. And so now that I've reached this point, you think about the the roles that you have in your life and it's like, okay, I'm in this certain season for this certain time. And for me, I felt like I was built to to I was there to build the thing and I might not necessarily be there to maintain it. And that's okay. Um, I love the idea of creating things and helping getting things rolling. Um, But I I may not necessarily be the builder and the maintainer for that. Maybe I'll go somewhere else and maintain something and see how that like, and break those things down to see how they built it and get new perspective. Yeah. Cause that's definitely Mm -hmm. something that like, really want to work towards building confidence in that arena yeah well yeah. i'll be excited to check back in a year with all of us jade with the kids me and alisa 
<laughs> not 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 you having kids. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. With with the <laughs> with, with the kid with your niece nephew niece. Yeah. Okay, niece. Yeah. So Aww. we'll check we'll all check back in and see how it's going. But thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Talk About It Sis, and we will see you guys in the next episode.